0: Where the fun begins. Let's
1: make this a bit more interesting. You've taken your first step into a large homework. Nothing will stand in our way. May the war be with her. Hello once again and welcome back to another episode of Twin Sons Transmission. I'm your host, Eric Pfeiffer, joined as always by Jesse's Ham Flippo hey guys welcome back to um twin suns transmission we're very excited to have you thank you so much for choosing us as your podcast of choice today and we're very excited because we have a lot to discuss regarding galaxy's edge and star wars celebration star wars resistance a lot of cool stuff happening so um jesse why don't you kick us off with the news on galaxy's edge
0: So big news for Disney's Galaxy's Edge, we have the release dates. So Disneyland is going to be opening on May 31st, and Disney World is going to be opening Galaxy's Edge on August 29th. And this May 31st release date for the Disneyland is actually earlier than they originally planned to open it due to people like us being super excited to get in and experience this park. Um, And they're opening it in two phases. So phase one is going to be the opening of just the main park area. You're going to be able to eat all the food, have all the specialty drinks and shops will be open, but you'll only be able to ride the Millennium Falcon ride smugglers run at that time. Um, The phase two is going to be later in the year. They didn't exactly say exactly when the phase two part will be open, but that is when you'll be able to ride rise of resistance so just something to keep in mind if you plan on visiting the Disneyland Park right on the opening date of May 31st you'll only be able to ride the Millennium Falcon ride still exciting still really cool that they're opening it early for everyone but just keep that in mind
1: yeah well I got my tickets for Disney World only because To be honest, it's a shorter trip for me, coming from Chicago, and also um, Disney World usually has more things happening and usually is a little bit bigger. Um, There's more space and things like that, so I got my tickets for August 29th, uh, which is going to be the opening for Disney World. So I'm flying out there on the 28th, I already got my transportation, I already got my hotels, I already got my park tickets and everything like that, so I am very, very stoked. And people have been like, well, you know, it's going to be really crowded. I'm like, yeah, so I'll be there for opening. Like, I don't I don't care. I I am fully anticipating waiting in a bunch of lines. But that's why I've got four days just for Hollywood Studios, just for Galaxy's Edge. If it takes me all four days to get everything done and I still don't get everything done, I don't care. It's more about the experience and being there on open and stuff like that. So I'm super, super excited about that because this is going to be a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, The opening of a Star Wars world, you know, at a a theme park. So I'm very, very excited to go. I can't wait.
0: And I'm sure they'll have, like, extra, like, fan fairy, you know, things going on to celebrate its opening. So it will really be, like, a a once-in-a-lifetime experience.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah and even if i can't get on one of the rides or whatever it'll still be okay i know star tours and everything like that will be open and they've added a bunch of things at star tours since i was there last too like i haven't seen the crate uh, scenario or whatever that they have on on star tours so i might even just take a day and and do all the other star wars things that they have out there um so yeah very exciting stuff
0: they are already warning, though, that there will be a capacity for the park, which um, yeah. is to be expected. So if you're planning on getting there, especially for these opening days, it might be one of those wait outside yep. for a few hours before or maybe all night. People are going to be really stoked about this. So if you're wanting to get in there, you got to get there early.
1: Yeah, I am getting there on the 28th, um, which is the day before open, and I have no problem having dinner, checking into the hotel, and going to wait. I, I really don't care. <laughs> so, Are you going to cool. Oh, definitely, yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. That's awesome.
1: Celebration had more news, more guests announced, and a bunch of other things. Um, let's go with guests first, I guess. So, Hermione Corfield was announced, and if you don't know who she is, she is the uh, Resistance pilot that we see in The Last Jedi. She plays Tally Lintra who flies around in an A-Wing and at the beginning of the movie with uh, the bombers and everything, and she's the one that goes, Bombs away! And stuff like that. She's really cool. Riz Ahmed was announced, who was definitely one of the biggest names announced recently. Riz plays Bodhi Rook from Rogue One, and uh, he also is the main villain in uh, Venom. So he's had a very big year, which is reflected in his ticket prices. He's hundred million, For an autograph and a photo op uh, individually. So he's, I believe, uh, one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive um, ticket right now. We have Paul Bettany, who plays Dryden Voss in Solo A Star Wars Story. You may also know him as Vision from the Avengers movies. And he is $85 for a photo op and $80 for an autograph. So he's not even as much as Riz Ahmed. But that'll be a cool one, and you can actually buy autograph tickets and photo ops for those three on the um, Star Wars Celebration site now. So if you go and click under Guests, it will transfer you to the um, Epic Photo Ops site, and you can get your photo ops and autographs. Today's Monday, March 11th, and we have... A couple other guests that were announced last week, but the ticket sales will be going on sale today. So Erin Kellyman, who plays Enfys Nest, was announced on Friday last week, which was pretty crazy. And she's going to be a really cool one to get. I'm very excited to to see her and meet her. Um, I'm definitely planning on on getting autographs, uh, an autograph of her. I don't know how much she's going to be for a photo op or an autograph. Last I checked this morning, she was not up on the site yet. Ahmed Best, who plays Jar Jar Binks, is going to be at Celebration, and I am so excited about this Jesse. I've met him before, but he really doesn't do a lot of shows, and with all of the news coming out about Ahmed and, you know, what he was feeling after fans reacted to his character from The Phantom Menace, Um, him wanting to commit suicide and things like that this is a huge step for him and i am so excited that he's going to be there i hope the fans treat him well i will definitely be giving him a standing ovation at the episode 120th anniversary panel
0: when i was nine if you would have asked me what character i found the most funny or the most entertaining in the prequel trilogy i would have said jar jar um i i'm excited for him to be there and i agree i i feel like people are going to be respectful and i definitely want to try to meet him or get a photo op with him or something because yeah. i don't know i just i want to support him
1: <laughs> definitely yeah and there's been i've even talked to some of my coworkers and stuff like that and one of them was like, I really want to go and meet Ahmed Best because if he's there on one of the days that I'm going to be there, I want to go say that I'm sorry. He yeah. was—he felt like he was part of the problem, not liking Jar Jar, bashing Jar Jar. And this is somebody's job. It's not who they are. Ahmed Best is not Jar Jar Binks. That was a character that he was hired to play. And all the ridicule that this actor got caused him to have suicidal thoughts and that's messed up if you're a fan that treats other people like that that's that's so messed up on your part i mean it really is so this co-worker wanted to go apologize for being part of the problem and i think that's really cool
0: yeah that's awesome it's he deserves all of the respect that all the other characters in star wars get he was such a huge part and continuing through the clone Wars, a huge part and i love jar jar
1: yeah Yeah, he's definitely really cool, cool, and I'm very excited he'll be at Celebration. The second wave of pins was released uh, just recently. So if you're doing the Road to Celebration pins, wave two was released. And this was Anakin and Padme pins. It also came with a T-shirt, just like the first set. But um, there were two pins instead of four this time. So it was $35 plus um, shipping for this set of pins and there's a little bit of confusion on the website because it showed Hera and Canaan were supposed to be out on march 1st and that wasn't the case there was some kind of mishap on the website or whatever so if you're afraid that you lost out on the Hera and Canaan pin they have not been released yet so don't worry about that we got more news on the panels and slowly but surely as we inch closer to celebration we'll get more of this On Saturday, April 13th, we have the Rebels panel, which will be really cool, and that will be on the Galaxy stage. On Sunday, April 14th, we'll have the Clone Wars panel, which will be on the Celebration stage. And if you've never been to a Celebration before, things that are on the Celebration stage, that's essentially going to be the biggest panel and the biggest um, capacity for people. So Galaxy stage would probably be after that, I'm assuming, Um, but like the main panels, like the 20th anniversary of Episode 1... If there's an Episode nine panel, uh, this Clone Wars panel, those are all going to be on the Celebration stage. Those are the ones that are going to be the biggest panels, probably. Um, And then we have the Resistance panel, which is going to be on Monday, April 15th, which will be on the Galaxy stage as well. So as of right now, we know there's going to be a Fallen Order panel. We also know that Saturday will be the Rebels panel, Sunday will be the Clone Wars panel, Monday will be the Resistance panel, and also the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace. So slowly but surely, Jesse, we're getting some of these panels announced. Before we go into talking about Star Wars Resistance, Jesse, I just wanted to address a question that we've actually had on Twitter from one of our listeners um, named Christian. So first of all, Christian, thank you so much for reaching out and talking to us about um, Star Wars. We, we love fan interaction. We love uh, interacting with listeners and stuff like that. That's why we do this podcast, because we love talking about Star Wars. So, I think it was on our last podcast or something like that. Uh, we were talking about Holdo and her ship going through hyperspace and stuff. And it sort of brought up a conversation that we've been having on Twitter about the shields. And I'll read what Christian's question was. So, Christian was wondering, Wouldn't Holdo's route through hyperspace have resulted in the ship simply getting destroyed by the, sh- the other ship's shields if it was up? or else hyperspace torpedoes would be useful. My only explanation is that since no threat was present for the First Order, they had no shields up, and therefore it worked, but that's not explained in the movie. Since in Rogue One, you see the Rebels crash their ships while going into hyperspace in front of Vader. So um, I'm just going to give you my thought on this, Christian, and um, if anybody out there has another explanation or um, opinion on this, then definitely we would we, we would love to hear about it. So here's the thing: um, I watched this episode or this scene a million times um, after I read your comment, Christian, in Rogue One. When we see the rebel ships jump to hyperspace, the ones that actually push the button or pull the lever and jump to hyperspace are gone. They're fine. When Vader's ship comes back in, the only one ship crashes. And that ship was not traveling at light speed. That ship was just slowly moving on. They had, they were at sublight, essentially. All the other fighters, like the Y-Wings and the X-Wings that were around there, they sort of veered off and didn't crash. So it was only one ship that crashed. And by the time the Star Destroyer was out of hyperspace, it also was not going at light speed. So two ships that were not traveling through hyperspace or at light speed just crashed into each other, and that's pretty normal, I feel like. As far as the shields... Power works in a lot of different ways, and like I said, this is just my opinion, my view on how this works. But power in Star Wars works in a lot of ways, especially regarding ships. So there's only a limited amount of power a certain ship can have, right? For example, some ships divert all their power to the engines. Some ships divert all their power to the hyperdrives, some ships to the weapons, some ships to the shields, and so on and so forth. So, it all depends on what's going on, and as we know from watching The Last Jedi, the First Order ships were chasing the Resistance, and the Resistance was able to keep at a distance that was just far enough out of range where the First Order couldn't get to them. So, in my opinion, I would assume that the First Order's power was directed toward their engines to keep up with the Resistance. That's just what I think when the Resistance was shooting the little um, transports down to crate, they sort of diverted and went off into a different direction at a different angle and weren't trying to necessarily keep in front of the First Order, so therefore they were able to shoot at them. But if you also remember back to Clone Wars and the Trench episodes, shields actually, you have to lower the shields to shoot torpedoes and things like that. Not that the First Order was shooting torpedoes, but a lot of times certain weapons work certain ways with the shields. You may have to lower your shields to shoot certain weapons, and also shields take a long time to recycle. So if you remember in those Trench episodes, they lowered the shields, Trench shot as torpedoes, and they couldn't turn their shields back on because they were recycling before the torpedo hit the bridge. So the shields work in all sorts of different ways. And like you said, maybe it wasn't mentioned, but I don't think it's... uh, I don't think it's too incorrect to say that the First Order probably wasn't viewing the Resistance who were fleeing as a threat and therefore probably didn't have shields up anyway. So that's just my thought on it. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, Jesse, but that's what I think.
0: No, I mean, I felt like I had heard Pablo Hidalgo say something about it, but yeah i couldn't find anything
1: and yeah like ships and vehicles and things like that that don't have shields up definitely crash into other other ships and we see holdo go through hyperspace actually make that jump through hyperspace to crash into them and so in my opinion everything's completely um legit but if you have other thoughts or anything, i definitely like to hear it. This is, This is not meant to begin arguments or things like that. This is just fans having a discussion on different opinions and thoughts on the movie. And on Shields and Hyperspace and things like that. So we definitely welcome conversation. So Christian, hopefully that helps. And like I said, that's just my opinion. I don't work for Lucasfilm by any means, but that's just kind of my take on it. Let's go into the latest episode of Star Wars Resistance, and we're getting close, Jesse. We're getting to the end of season one, which is very exciting. This is when things are starting to happen, and I, I love Resistance. Like it, I never disliked it, but as we get closer to the end here, it's just getting better and better. And I guarantee you, when I binge watch it, it's just going to be awesome. It's going to go by so fast, just watching everything all in a row.
0: No binge watching because I binge watched mid season. Yeah. I went back to the beginning and watched it all back to back, and it really did help me get more invested in the characters. And especially now where we're at, it's like impossible not to be invested in them in their moments of desperation against the First Order. So yeah. no, I I agree. My like love for the show has increased tenfold
1: since oh,
0: yeah. it started. So. Definitely, which is to be expected of any new show, but yeah, it's exciting.
1: Yeah. Well, as always, we don't want to be the one to the, to spoil you on anything, so if you haven't seen it, do that first. We are going to be talking about spoilers for No Escape Part 1, which was the title of the most recent episode. And, Jesse, uh, we see things start to overlap with The Force Awakens, and we kind of got that a little bit with Poe taking BB-8 off the Colossus, and we, we, we sort of knew what Poe's mission was and what he was doing, but at the beginning of the force awakens that's where we see poe like we know what we know what's going on but now um it's sort of the the middle of the force awakens is the time period where we're at because we see um hux and uh we learn about star base being operational which was really cool and having the timelines sort of merge together and sort of you know you know what else is going on in the galaxy at this time with finn and poe and leia and and everybody else, it's really cool to kind of see the timeline sort of just merge like this.
0: Really, Kaz is like the first person we really got to know that is connected to any of the planets that were destroyed in the First Awakening, the Force Awakens. So, yeah. and something about Hux's speech was more chilling, I want to argue. Yeah. Um, in Resistance. Than I felt. And I already felt pretty chilled over it in The Force Awakens, but I felt like I was like full body chills watching it in Resistance and watching Kaz react to it.
1: Really sad. Yeah. I mean, I think a part of that too is like you said, we know Kaz had family on the planet. Mm -hmm. And having him watch his entire homeworld get obliterated at the push of a button is really messed up. It's really reminiscent of what happens with Leia. In A New Hope, right? I mean, her planet, her father, her family, where she grew up on Alderaan, just destroyed. And it's really, it's definitely really upsetting to have that happen. And it really pulls on your your heartstrings knowing that. Because when Kaz revealed that his home planet was Hosnian Prime and that his dad was a senator and stuff like that, I'm like, oh, crap. That's not going to be good, you know, because we know the Hosnian Prime system was, was destroyed in The Force Awakens, so... But yeah, it was it was not good.
0: Right. No, I going back to Leia and having watched her go through this and then I believe it's in the Leia comics where she really wrestles with like the aftermath of losing Alderaan. Mm. Like I just thought back to like that story and like all the things she went through after losing her home planet and her entire like her whole world, like literally her whole world. But in the sense that we as Earth humans use your whole world is gone. Like it's your whole world. Um, But seeing Kaz go through that really, really brought me back to Leia. And yeah, I guess that's what we'll see him wrestle with probably more. So in season two, he's not going to have a whole lot of time to process, I think, in this finale. So
1: and do you remember in the first episode, I believe it was the first episode, the pilot where um, we see Kaz sort of send that transmission to his dad and, you know, they're communicating and, and Kaz's dad is um, like fuzzy and he's decrypted almost like we don't get to see what he looks like or whatever because Kaz is trying to scramble his message or keep him, keep his whereabouts secretive or whatever. And I remember talking like, I think we'll get more about Kaz's parents and Kaz's dad and stuff like that. There's probably a relationship there that, you know, we'll explore more as we continue on with the show. And clearly that's not going to be the case unless, for some reason, Kaz's dad was not on Hosnium when it was destroyed.
0: Yeah, there's still hope for that, especially since he was a senator, and senators tend to be all over the galaxy, visiting various things and having various meetings. So there's a chance. There is a little interview they did with Christopher Sean on StarWars.com for Resistance Rewind, and he I don't know if they just had him say it this way to keep us in the dark or what, but he Mm -hmm. does say that Kaz has lost everything, and he's completely devastated, so... He could just be saying that so that that's what we think. Um, And then that maybe just reflecting what Kaz is thinking. But it could just be that that is really the case and we're never going to get to meet his dad.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you really think about it, Kaz lives a really hard life. He's thrown in onto this station as a mechanic, which he knows nothing about. Jarek Yeager, who's sort of his mentor and, you know, his good friend I would say um, is now captured by the First Order he just watched his home planet get destroyed with probably his parents and his friends and everything like that he's constantly wrestling with Tam over you know the the character of the First Order and it's it's just not going well it's just not going well for him so I really hope we get more and not to mention the fact that the resistance after he contacted them said you're basically on your own You know, it's it's just it's it's rough. And I I think it really is a testament to who Kaz is showing his resilience through everything that's going on.
0: It's only going to get harder for Kaz because if he stays on his own rebel cell on the Colossus, not with the resistance, but doing his own resistance thing, it's just going to get more difficult because they know who he is now. And if he doesn't have the support, if he doesn't meet up with the rest of our rebels, which I don't think he will. Otherwise, they're going to have to put him in the last movie. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But uh, it's just going to get more difficult for them to just know just like a random rebel in a very specific spot. They know where he is. He can't hide forever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of really cool characters in Resistance, and I think Kaz is definitely the one that is going to show the most character development because, obviously, he's the main character. But Tam is also one that I feel like is going to have a major major role. And Jesse, kind of like what we talked about on our last episode, Tam is eating very luxuriously. She's having all these fancy foods and you know agent tierney is uh is manipulating her and she's offering her positions to be a first order pilot and you know using her her words to gain tam's allegiance which i think is is really an interesting twist to the story
0: yeah i'm really sad about tam and her not just eating all this up and not trusting that her friends are out for the right reasons you know yeah, like yeah. she just lets this lady feed her she's feeding her the truth i think i think what Tam's is really upset about is being out of the loop and i think she's feeling really hurt that they didn't tell her and she's focusing a lot of that anger on just not being trusted to be involved and therefore is just focusing on that They broke her trust and I don't think she's totally processed yet that that doesn't necessarily mean that they're in the wrong yeah, I think right now. She's just taking that mistrust and Working through it and all she has right now to work through it is this You know agent in her ear being like your friends are bad. Your friends are bad Your friends are bad and she's not really getting a chance to process it her own way
1: Yeah Well, after watching it a couple times, I really noticed a few things. And I think Tam's reactions to things will really foreshadow her end result, I think. When when she had that brief interaction with Yeager and he was being pushed around by the stormtroopers and they were yelling at each other and stuff like that. Like Yeager was like, it's not what you think and blah, blah, blah and whatever. And then she dishes stuff back to him and okay that's all fine and good she's just recycling what agent tyranny told her but at the end when agent tyranny offers this position to tam i don't know if it was just shock or what it was but tam she knows that's what she wants she wants to be a pilot but at the same time like there was no smile it was more of just like a, don't know it was it was a weird look you know
0: She looked scared, like, I don't know, like she looked, yeah, she looked caught off guard and we know Tam is smart and I think that's why it's surprising us that she's eating into all this first order manipulation and this might be her like little wake-up call of being like this woman is giving me exactly what I want. Why? Why is she doing this? Like she can't just be doing it to be nice. Like this might be what awakens her to realize that they're, like, using her. Yeah. Um, I feel like I saw a change in Tam's face, though, when we, they started talking about Kaz. Like, I feel like she has this weird soft spot for Kaz because, yeah, I was, I was looking at her face a lot, and she looked surprised and, like, scared or whatever when it came down to them offering her to be a pilot. But then when she's talking about Kaz next... She kind of, like, looks really, like, like sad after. Like, when are like, oh, have you caught Kaz? And they're like, still looking for him. She, like, looks all... I don't yeah. know. I was kind of expecting her to have, like, an angry reaction or something. But she looked like she still has some kind of worry for Kaz.
1: Yeah, Tam, I feel like she has a special spot for... Or a soft spot for Kaz. Um, and I... I really still have faith after everything that we just saw even even after everything that's going on that tam will come around in the end i i i strongly feel like she will but right now she's just in a tough spot and some characters are going to go through things like this so we'll see if her friends will stick with her and she can she can make it back around to being the tam that we know and love and you know, the one, the, the Tam yeah. that believes in her friends and not random people that show up in armor. Um,
0: yeah, if she does, it'll be huge for them because now they'll have, like, an inside man, basically. Yeah. Uh, if she decides to do it and do it in the smart way that we know Tam is capable of, she could she could really turn it around for them now that she's kind of inside the First Order.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeager and Doza also had uh, interesting things happen to them in this one. Yeager still covering up for everybody. He's covering up for Kaz. He's covering up with Tam and stuff like that. Like, I feel like Yeager really is uh, an admirable character. I think I'm I'm really starting to like Yeager a lot. Um, We see him get thrown into that cell with Doza, although Doza's droid, 4D, he's just, like, insane. Just taking out <laughs> troopers and stuff—that was really cool to see. Um, yeah,
0: you needed like a whole fleet of those.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where are the rest <laughs> of those guys at? Where's four A right. and B and C? Um, <laughs> yeah, but they—but that droid was really cool. But now uh, it seems like the first order, with the exception of a few people like like uh, Kaz and Tora and stuff like that. And to be honest, I'm not really sure why that one dude was sitting in Aunt Z's bar. Because I was thinking
0: about that too.
1: The dro- the pyre at the beginning was like everybody is to be, you know, go back into their homes and, you know, stuff like that. And the people who either aren't in cells or aren't in their homes, I'm pretty sure there was some verbiage about them being arrested or something like that. I don't know for sure, but I was yeah. under the impression that everyone was supposed to be either in their homes or in a cell, like Yeager and Doza.
0: No, they did say that. They have the whole station basically under arrest in, yeah. because nobody's allowed out of their houses so maybe this guy is just rebelling in his own way by having a drink at a bar <laughs> and he's just um the next one that's gonna get arrested
1: yeah wouldn't surprise me with being the old man that he is but yeah <laughs> um speaking of that guy he was watching outside and everything, seeing those aqua, aqua troopers. Those guys were awesome looking. Like, I thought those guys... I hope they make toys of them because they look really cool with oh, their yeah. special armor and everything.
0: They were saying on um, Bucket's List, um, if you aren't familiar with Bucket's List, you really need to. It's always on StarWars.com the next day after the episode is released. And they always list a few fun facts from that episode. And this scuba style... Is based off of the clone scuba troopers from the Mm -hmm. Clone Wars Um, so this is like an updated version of of what we've seen in the Clone Wars especially they said the the weapons and the guns so
1: yeah
0: I thought they looked really cool
1: yeah there's sort of that light on the inside of their helmet to illuminate their face and stuff like that they looked really cool and I like the symbols on their shoulder bells of you know their insignia the First Order insignia and stuff And I think Kaz did a really good job sort of fending those guys off with the help of CB, of course, but um, that was really cool to see. Definitely a highlight there. And one other thing about just armor and stuff, Agent Tyranny, she looks very much like her armor looks very much like uh, the Grand Inquisitors. Even the helmet that she carries around, very, very similar. It looks like there's sort of an open eye slot for her helmet, but the Grand Inquisitors, the, the shape is very much like the Grand Inquisitors, at least it looked like to me. So,
0: I'm super intrigued by, it looks like she has like a scar across her face, on one side of her face that mm-hmm. I keep noticing. That's like very prominent. Yeah. Um, makes me really want backstory for her. Yeah. Know where she came from.
1: Yeah, definitely. The biggest thing, that I feel like we can take away from this episode and will provide many different opportunities and different directions that the story could go is the fact that we find out that the Colossus has a hyperdrive, which essentially means it can go to a different planet. It's a ship, essentially. It's a ship and a station. So what are your thoughts on this, Jess? I mean, this opens up a whole other can of worms with the potential for the show.
0: Yeah, I was shocked. I wonder if it's like the Colossus is on like a pl- like on a platform that it can disconnect from cuz the way the Colossus looks to me right now I can't vision it as a ship but I bet you it's like docked into
1: some yeah, kind of floating so like...
0: platform but this changes like everything for season 2 I feel like I feel like if they can get the first order Off this station and jump into hyperspace Mm
1: -hmm. they
0: could end up being a rebel cell on the Colossus just no longer you know docked in the middle of the ocean they could be they could be everywhere if they figure out how to get the first order off and get into space and get away
1: yeah I'm wondering about the history of the Colossus. Like, who built the Colossus, and why do they have a hyperdrive on it? Was this meant to be a station? Was this originally a ship? Is it just docked at a station, like you said? It'll be very interesting to see how that works. And there's another guy that's at work, and he's like, well, I don't. I really don't feel like the next season will be on a Colossus. And I'm like, I don't know. This is sort of like their home now. You know, this is... It's sort of like the Jedi Council for the Jedi. Like, the main characters we're going to see in the Jedi Council because they're our main characters. Now, obviously, there are going to be scenes outside of the Colossus and things like that, but maybe if they take the Colossus to other planets, uh, you know, that's a way of creating, you know, different different feels for the show. I don't know.
0: No, I agree. I feel like it's going to be jumping all over the place next season, and I hope that Kaz recruits more Colossians (laughs) to the cause (laughs) just forms a big rebel cell out of it. I think that'd be so cool.
1: Yeah, definitely. All right. So only one more episode before we're done with season one and that is going to be this upcoming Sunday. So we'll definitely be talking about that on our next show. And Jesse, what I want to do on our next show is have a discussion on, um, expectations and what to uh, what to make sure that you bring and don't bring at Star Wars Celebration. So um, if you have any questions we'll and we'll put a post out on social media, this will be my eighth celebration. So I'm um, a Celebration veteran. If you have any questions, I'd love to answer them and we can address them on our next show. So we'll definitely be doing that. There's also going to be more guests on this upcoming, this week on Wednesday. Expect more Star Wars Celebration guests to be announced. Um, as we inch closer to having a complete guest list, which is pretty cool. But that'll pretty much do it, Jesse, for this episode. Do you want to tell people where they can find us on social media?
0: You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the handle at TwinsonsOutpost.
1: All right, and if you're looking for places to listen to our show, you can find us on our website, which is www.twinsunsoutpost.com. Find the podcast tab on the left-hand side, and we'll have all of our shows available there. You can also find us on iTunes and the Google Play Store Star Wars podcast app.
0: And if you like our show, you think we're pretty wizard, we would really appreciate if you left us a review on one of those platforms.
1: Thank you so much for listening to episode 135 of Twin Suns Transmission. We'll be back soon with more Celebration, Resistance, and more Star Wars New next time. So for Eric and Jesse, may the Force be with you. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall, Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. You've been listening to Twin Suns Transmission, an exciting show where sand gets everywhere. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Twin Sons Podcast Network. May the Force be with you always.
0: Air Master, Tatooine. It's controlled by the Hut. How do we?